Hello, ladies. Wow, this is very loud. Does it sound loud? No? Okay, I sound good. Okay. Well, grab a seat. We know that traffic on 75 was terrible today, so we may have some stragglers coming in, and that's okay. Welcome to the Working Mom Panel Night One. My name is Katie Vogelar. I've been married to my husband, Mike, for 10 years, and we have three little girls, Madison, Chloe, and Kirby. They're eight, almost six, and two and a half. I work full-time in the ER as a nurse practitioner, and I work part-time for Watermark's Urgent Care Clinic. And my husband and I have been at Watermark for 11 years, and we've been members of the Plano campus since it started. It is really fun to be with you guys tonight. This is really an amazing event, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to, first of all, just acknowledge the diverse group of women that we have in this room. Some of you guys work full-time, some of you work part-time, some of you work sometimes, and we welcome you. Some of you guys have husbands that have full-time jobs outside of your home, some of you have husbands that have full-time jobs inside of your home, and some of your husbands stay home with your children. Welcome. We have single moms in here tonight who are doing this working mom thing alone. Welcome. We have women who go to hospitals and doctor's offices and regular offices and cubicles to work. Welcome. We even have some pregnant mamas in here who are expecting their first and who are trying to figure out, where do I, what do I do? Do I go back to work? Do I stay at home? Welcome. We are so glad that you're here. And then we also have some stay-at-home mamas in this room that want to be equipped to love on their working mama friends. Welcome to you. So the reason that you are all in this room tonight is because there are people in our church body that see you and care about you, and they want you to be encouraged and equipped. Specifically, the elders of your church have asked the um, women's equipping teams to put these things on for you. They see there's a gap in equipping and encouragement in this group, and they see you and they care about you, and that's why you're here. And that blesses my heart. So to start off um, tonight, you're going to hear from three of the mamas that are putting this event on. Myself, Dana Dowsett, and Meg McKinley. And we're going to share our struggles with you as working moms, just to set the stage that none of us do this perfectly, even the women that are running this event. Um, I also just want to talk about um, the reason why we're doing this is because we want you to be equipped and encouraged. And if you can't go to your church to be equipped and encouraged on this topic, where can you go? We want you to not make decisions that impact your family in isolation, but to get with other women, um, to be informed biblically, and just to make decisions that will bless your family and, most importantly, honor the Lord. So we're very glad that you're here. So after the three moms share, you're going to hear from Meg McKinley. She's our women's director at Watermark Plano, and she's going to share with you a biblical framework for working outside the home, and I know you're going to be blessed by that. Afterwards, I'm going to come up and just share just the journey the Lord has taken me on the past five years of being a working mom and how he has wrestled with me and my identity in Christ and that. And in between those times and after my talk, you're going to get to discuss at your table the ladies at your table are, like I said at the beginning, a diverse group of women. 
and I'm encouraged and excited to get, for you to get to hear from what they have to say. You also have a leader at your table. These leaders are women that we know that love Jesus, and they are um, faithful in working outside of their home and trying to honor the Lord and how they do that. But they're not perfect, just like the three of us that are up here. So to start off, um, oh, and the next week, you will get to hear from Dana Douthit, and she is going to bless your socks off with a very practical talk on just how do we do this? How do we make decisions about work and family in a way that honors the Lord? And you will get to ask questions to an awesome panel of working mamas who do various jobs and have various stories, and I think that will bless you too. So to start off on my struggle, if you would have told me five years ago that I would be standing up here giving a talk to working moms at Watermark, I would have thought you were crazy. So five years ago, I had a deep desire to use the gifts that God had given me as a healthcare provider, but I was petrified of doing that. You see, I had this idea in my head of what a good Christian mom looked like, and in my head, working outside the home didn't fit into that. Thankfully, the Lord's voice became way louder than my fears, and five years ago, after processing with my husband and my community group, I started on my journey towards being a working mom. And I can't wait to share with you later how the Lord took me from fearful of not fitting in and what others think about me to walking confidently in the path that the Lord has set out for me. But first, I want to introduce you to Dana Douthit. Thank you. Um, hi, this is so exciting that y'all are all here. I, I have somewhat lost my voice, but it's almost back. So um, like Katie said, I'm Dana Douthit. I go to the Dallas campus. I am a part-time working mom of four kids. I have a seven-year-old girl, four-year-old boy-girl twins, and a sweet little baby boy who just turned one. Um, my husband, Jeff, and I have been married for almost 10 years, and he has been a police officer for almost all of those. We had a little two-year break in there. Um, and he has been on a night shift for almost all of those and currently is. Um, so this has always been kind of a challenge for us, but also has greatly shaped my working mom journey. Um, we feel super called to police work, and that has just impacted the decisions we made and um, kind of how I landed in always working um, as a mom. There were many years, though, that I felt super alone in the Christian community because um, I had not connected with other working moms at our church. I struggled with comparison with my friends who did not work um, and just the struggle to do all the things, to be all the types of moms you could be. Um, and that's not possible and was not a good message for my kids. Um, but I'm so passionate about this conversation. We're starting with you guys tonight uh, because I personally know what can happen when you sit on feelings and assumptions and it can create bitterness and um, you can feel misunderstood and it's just not a good thing to sit on. Uh, but like Katie said, our elders want this to happen and we are all equipped to have this with you tonight. And so our heart is that you leave here feeling super loved and have um, a better understanding of what the Bible says about being a working mom. So I am going to pray for us, and then I'm going to bring Meg up. So, bye your heads. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for all these women who made it here tonight, God, despite 
weird weather and traffic and work and just the stress of kid carpools and dinner and man, all the things. Um, I'm just so thankful they made it here tonight. Um, will you just open our hearts to hear Meg talk about the framework of a working mom and um, just to hear about Katie's heart and to see how all our hearts are in this arena. Um, thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, you guys. I'm so glad this is here. This just excites me so much. Look how many have come. This was going to be our small little gathering, so thank you for being part of our small little gathering. Um, so Tom and I, my husband, I think we have a picture up here. We've been married for 29 years, and um, we have a son that's 25 and a daughter that's 24. And we now have a daughter-in-law. That picture is at a wedding just a month ago. That's really cool. And so Tom and I moved from Illinois just three years ago. And that was after 25 years for me in the corporate world. And it was 10 years of us volunteering in a church that we helped plant up in Illinois. And the Lord had stirred my heart for vocational ministry. And so it was really awesome that I was able to jump onto staff here two years ago. But if this is a picture, this next picture is what I remember us looking like. <laughs> Our family was so young, we were so little, and we had no idea of the hard things that were ahead for us. See, I grew up in a Christian home, and I was taught to love family with a passion, and I was also taught to really just work diligently and unto the Lord in everything that I put my hand to. We all were in my home growing up. Um, and I had no idea, I was totally unprepared for how violently my passion for family and my passion for my love of my career would collide. And so um, when I was 31, I was a vice president of a corporate banking services division in Chicago and our kids were uh, five and six. And that was about the time I started to realize I may not want to work as many hours outside of the home as I was. But at the same time, Tom was realizing he needed to transition out of culinary, which was not a good environment for home life, and he wanted to be a teacher. And he wanted to make a difference in the lives of kids like one of his teachers particularly had made in his life. And so we agreed, and for the next five years, um, we juggled a lot. Um, I uh, got up in the mornings, my alarm went off around 3.30 in the morning, and I was on the computer at home from about 4 to 6 in days before, really, they were letting moms work at home. And then I would jump in the shower, run to the train station, catch the train, go downtown, walk to my office, and work from like 8 until about 2. And then I would run back to the train station, hop the train, go home, get off um, the train station, get home, get the kids off the bus by like 3.15. And I did that for five years. And that was then, by the time I got home, Tom had already left to be a full-time student to go back and work on his bachelor's degree to be a teacher. The problem for me in this time, though, was that I was trying so hard to be all things to all people. I was trying to be the perfect mom, perfect wife, perfect employer, perfect employee, sister, mom, and I was having a hard time keeping it all together. I could just not keep all the plates spinning, and I really felt like I was failing miserably, like in all directions, and I felt like my soul was just withering. But the cool thing was, this was also the season where Tom gave his life to Christ, and I recommitted my life to Christ. And I had just begun reading God's word, and one of the things I realized is that I knew how to trust God with my eternity. I had done that when I was 10, 
but I had no idea on how to trust him with my today. And so for me, I remember reading Psalm 37, and it's verse uh, three, or excuse me, verses three and four that say, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture, take delight in the Lord. I remember all those things sounding so good. And then I remember getting to the last sentence, and it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I remember thinking, that sounds like a terrible idea. I had followed the desires of my heart most of my life, and that led me into teenage sin and marrying an unsaved man and mapping out my plan and my path, my way. And so by the grace of God, reading his word, the Holy Spirit made it really clear to me that I needed to align my heart with the desires of God's heart. But the scary thing for me at 31 was I honestly had absolutely no idea what that was. I didn't know what God's desires were. And so that really set me on a 20-year journey to understand and learn the desires of God's heart, make them my own, and align my life to them through all the seasons. And I'm still on that journey. We never end that journey. So let me ask you guys a question. As working moms who I know love your children, love the Lord, want to please him, want to please your husbands if you're married, do you know the desires of God's heart for you? Not just for eternity, not for 10 years down the road, but like today, tomorrow. And I know that every single woman in this room has a different journey of, of how you got here, different circumstances, um, different needs, different paths you've taken that lead to how you spend your days and what you're struggling with as a working mom. And if you don't have an accurate understanding of God's desires for you, for your husband, for your children, for your life, then you have no way to line it up towards that. And it leaves you empty. It leaves you feeling like you're chasing the wind, depleted and discouraged like I was. And see, in order to live an abundant life in Christ on this side of heaven, we have got to have a clear framework through which we can look through things and make wise decisions about how to invest our time and our energy. And the very first season, or the very first step, as all the seasons change and we have to keep looking through this framework, we've got to know the difference between a biblical command and a biblical conviction, okay? So I want to take a few minutes here with, with the time that I have and talk about that framework and make sure we understand the difference between biblical command and biblical conviction. And so a command is an authoritative order from God that must be obeyed. And that's no matter your circumstances, whether you live in North Dallas or North Africa, whether you're a single parent or you're married, whether you're an older parent, a young parent, commands are authoritative orders from God that must be obeyed. And also, let me tell you, we will at the end of our second week email out to you guys copies of our resources and the PowerPoint, so you can either take pictures of them if you want or wait till they come to you because there's also going to be a lot of Bible verses that we show, but we won't go through them all. So just do whatever blesses you. Just know that that's coming. Um, but a conviction, a biblical conviction, is a belief that you hold based on God's word but it gives freedom to disagree with other believers in how it's applied and how you walk it out in your life. 
But the thing we have to pay attention to with our convictions is that if a conviction causes us to live in such a way that we're constantly failing to obey the commands of the Lord, then our conviction may be leading us into sin. And if that's the case, we need to reassess our situation and make some changes. Because God gives us his will for how the family is to spend their time through a combination of commands and principles and examples that we see in Scripture. And the cool thing is that the Bible is full of praise for all kinds of working men and women. We see it throughout Scripture. And nowhere in Scripture is there a command that says women are not to work outside the home. Nowhere does it say moms are not to work outside the home. Okay, he has left that to be a matter of conviction. And so what I want to do now is look at the commands that we do have as we try to build the biblical framework. And there's a lot of commands that are critical to healthy family life and your sanity. And I think um, we can look at them in a couple of buckets. But let me first say, these commands are given to both husbands and wives both men and women, both mothers and fathers, okay? There are not separate commands in this regard uh, to women and to men. And so the three um, categories that we're looking at for the family are relationships, and that means the pursuit of our relationship with the Lord and the pursuit of our relationship with each other as husband and wife if we're married. And second is the discipleship of children, and then third is the provision for family. And singles, be encouraged. Jesus redefined the family to be that of a spiritual family, the church, to strengthen and help physical families. And so, especially those without spouses and without fathers. Um, so single parents are not expected to do this alone, and married mamas are not expected to do this alone. Okay, so let's jump into each of these and look at the first one, relationships. So Matthew 22 is where we see husbands and wives are to pursue their relationship with God, loving him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving their neighbors as themselves. And we know this because it applies to every Christ follower, okay? And so that is the foundation of our family life and our relationship with God and then we move to Ephesians 5, and we see that husbands and wives are to pursue their relationship with each other, and they're to embrace the role that God has assigned to each one of them out of reverence for Christ. And so it's in Ephesians 5 where we see that wives are to submit to the headship of the husband, just like the church submits to the headship of Christ. And, and husbands are to sacrificially love their wives just like Christ sacrificially loves the church. And they do this, the husbands do this out of reverence for Christ. So we've got the scripture uh, references up there for that. Okay? And so that's the relationship part. We know that's for all of us, men and women equally. Pursue relationship with the Lord. Pursue relationship with each other. Love others as yourself. Okay? And the second bucket is discipling the children. This is another area where the commands to disciple children, when you have them, are given equally to the men and the women, the fathers and the mothers. And that comes from Deuteronomy 6, where parents are commanded to disciple their children and teach them the commands of the Lord continually, all the time. 
And Proverbs 22.6 says that parents are to train up the children in the way they should go. Okay, so this is joint. We're to partner in this. It's not just the mom's job or just the dad's job. And the third bucket relates to what we call provision for the family. And so while we know that God is the source of everything we need, he commands both men and women, husbands and wives, to train up the children in the way they should go, or excuse me, to, to, um, to manage their households in ways that provide for the family and glorify God. And so what happens a lot of times is that people will take one verse out of context and then it drives confusion. And we have to look at these verses in context. And so there's a number of verses up there you can look at after, um, after our night. You can go study them. But 1 Timothy 5.8 is the verse that says that the one who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. But what you have to understand in this verse is that the context was Paul telling Timothy how to instruct the church to take care of the widows in their families. And so it's not a verse that says, um, because of the male program, pronoun his, that the man is to be the breadwinner. What it's saying is that you are to take care of the needs of your family. And this was specific to bringing widows into the families. And so that's a very interesting verse that sometimes gets taken out of context. And there's another term we see in scriptures that often gets taken out of context, and it's managing the household. Because this is used for both men and women. And so if you look at 1 Timothy 3, verse 4, and also verse 12, this is the passage where we see that elders and deacons are limited to men who manage their households well. And then we see that exact same wording used in 1 Timothy 5, 14 to instruct younger women that they are to manage their households well. It's the same language, same verbiage. And then we see that also in Proverbs 31, 27, where it says that a woman, a godly woman, is to look to the ways of her household and not eat the bread of idleness. She's not to be lazy at home. And so again, that call to manage the household is to both husbands and wives. And Titus 2, verse 4 and 5, this is another verse that sometimes gets confused. And this is where it says we're to train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands so that the word of God may not be reviled. And the phrase working at home here means a godly woman is not to be lazy. Rather, while she is at home, she is to be managing the affairs of her household and being attentive to the needs of the home. It doesn't command her to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's really important to understand. And then in Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, at least half of the attributes we see in that Proverbs 31 woman are worthy of praise as they relate to the work she's doing outside the home. And so she's praised for all the work she does managing her household inside the home and outside the home. And that's an encouragement. And so that's just a quick overview of that biblical framework that we have to understand the difference between what's commanded and what is not commanded, principles we see and examples we see. Because God's commands for us his desires for us at every single season are that we pursue him, we pursue our relationship with our husbands, we disciple our kids, and we manage our households well. That's the scriptural, biblical framework. And the way we walk these out are going to differ according to our convictions, 
and a few other things that Katie and Dana and, and the panel will talk about in, our, in the rest of our time. But remember, if we choose things that leave no room for developing our relationships and discipling our kids and managing our homes well, then we need to reassess and make some changes. But this foundation, this framework, is something that will help us make very practical decisions every day. Like, if I have a choice, what time am I going to come home from work today? And when I get home, am I going to choose to just watch mind-numbing TV or scroll through Facebook? Or am I going to take time to be with my children and talk with them and review their day and take an opportunity to disciple them based on what they experienced in that day? It can help me decide, am I going to take that job promotion or do I need to let it pass me by for another year? It also helps us know what ministry opportunities are we going to say yes to and what are we going to say no to because the needs are endless, the opportunities are endless. And the key is that God desires fathers and mothers to wrestle these issues together, not in isolation, not demanding your own way, but rather loving and respecting and serving each other and seeking wise counsel for others along the way. Whether that's community at church, family, other Christ followers who have the same biblical framework that you do. And so I want to ask you ladies, how are you doing it, inviting others in to help you assess how you are doing in these buckets of the commands of the Lord as you work? And singles, are you asking the church for help so you're not carrying that burden alone? I don't know what Tom and I would have done without the church. Our first 10 years of marriage before we committed our lives to Christ were very, very hard. And our framework for decision-making was all wrong. And I had to learn how to lay down control for wanting to tell everybody how to do everything the way I wanted it, whether I was there or not. I mean, Tom was a stay-at-home dad for five years. He dressed the kids for school every day. Or rather, he let them dress themselves for school. And you should have seen what my daughter wore. But I had to lay that down, and a million other little things, and big things too. Because see, part of the difficulty for me was that early on, I realized I didn't want to work so much outside the home, even though I loved my work. But Tom was going to be a teacher, and he wasn't going to get to start his first year till he was 40, and that doesn't put kids through college. And so I stayed in the corporate world for another 15 years before transitioning into ministry, which I absolutely love. And so maybe you identify with me and you're in a place where you wish you didn't have to work as much as you do. Sometimes we don't have all the choices we wish we had. Or others do have the choice, but they love what they're doing and they are very, very firmly believing and convicted that they're exactly where God wants them. But no matter what our path to working is, we need to keep God's biblical framework for family in mind as we make our decisions every single day. Whether we have that choice of working or not, we do have a choice of what to choose so that we can pursue God, pursue each other, disciple our kids, and manage our households well. And those are the commands and our priorities that have to stay at the top above all else. And so I do want us now to shift to some table reflection time. We're going to call it table discovery. And I'm going to ask you, you know, to really think through how you're doing at laying down your desires and trusting God's. And so we're going to take the next 15 minutes, and what we want you to do this first round is just talk with each other and reflect on the questions that you have, and then we'll be back in a few minutes after that 15, and we're going to hear from Katie. Thanks. I love hearing all these discussions at the tables. 
all the laughter and tears, and it's great to be gathered with some women maybe in the same stage um, as you that you can just talk with openly and they get it. Um, that's awesome. Like I said before, my name's Katie Vogelar. Uh, I go to the Plano campus. There's going to be a picture of me up here, some of my family. So that's my husband and our three girls. No children that could not swim were harmed in the making of that first picture. <laughs> we were like down for a second and then came back up. Um, like I said before, it's a real joy to be here tonight. I have a dear friend in my community group who every time she talks to her mom on the phone, her mom says, Sally, how's your heart? My friend delights in knowing that her mom cares about her and wants to know not the superficial stuff, but the really deep, raw, emotional heart stuff. So that's the question I'm going to ask you all tonight. Ladies, how is your heart? Are you weary from a long day of work? Did you just, before the Meg's talk, sit in an hour of traffic on 75 and scarf down dinner in your car? Are you feeling guilty that you're not at home with your husband and your children tonight? Do you feel overwhelmed by all the things on your plate? Do you feel like you aren't meeting everyone's expectations or that you're failing your boss, your husband, your kids, or maybe even God? Are you discontent with where you are right now? Do you wish your husband made more money so you didn't have to work? Do you long for a new job or a promotion? Or when you introduced yourself around the table, do you wish you had the person next to you's job because that sounded really significant? Do you absolutely love your job, but you feel guilty every time you drop your kids off at daycare or you leave them with your nanny or your very capable husband? Do you worry that the fact that you work, whether you have to to pay the bills or whether you want to, do you worry that it will negatively affect your kids? Are you, do you feel hurt tonight by things that your friends or your family or maybe even the church has said or done intentionally or unintentionally? Do you think people think you're a bad mom because you go to work every day? Are you jealous or judgmental of your stay-at-home mom friends? Do you struggle with bitterness or comparison when you think about other women who've made a different decision than you? Ladies, how's your heart? I understand all of those feelings because I feel them every day. You're in good company. Tonight, my eight-year-old, the one that was the tall one on that picture, is a performing in a play at her school, and I am here. When I was driving here tonight, I was overwhelmed with guilt and questioning, God, am I supposed to be here today? So I get it. The road we're on is hard and filled with all the feels. But I want to share with you tonight the journey the Lord has taken me on and what he has reminded me of and what has taken my anxious, um, discontent, stressed out heart um, to a place where I am content. Um, those things that I want to remind you of tonight are the Lord's design, his desires, and his definition. First of all, I want to remind you all of the Lord's design for you as uniquely gifted image bearers of God. Do you ever wonder why you are naturally inclined or skilled in certain ways that line up with your profession? I certainly have. Ever since I was young, I knew 
that I was going to be a nurse. You see, when I was born, I was born eight weeks premature, and my twin sister and I spent a couple weeks in the NICU. And every year on our birthday, my parents would show us a picture of our NICU nurses holding us, and they would share with us how much those nurses cared for them and made them feel loved and supported and encouraged. They could remember every single nurse's name. They could not remember a single physician's name. From as early on as I can remember, there was something that resonated in my soul with that story. I knew I wanted to make people feel the same way that those nurses had made my parents feel. Once I was a nurse and now a nurse practitioner, when I'm working in the hospital or at Watermark's urgent care, I find so much joy taking care of hurting people. For 30 years, I thought my natural bend towards compassion and empathy were just a part of my personality. But when I was making my graduation announcement from nurse practitioner school a year ago, the Lord led me to Ezekiel 34:16 and enlightened my thinking. Ezekiel 34:16 says, "I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd them with justice." This is the Lord talking to his people. When I see that passage, the Lord reminded me that he's compassionate and empathetic, and he cares about people's spiritual and emotional and physical needs. I am the way I am because I look like my dad. You see, when God made humans in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1, he made them, us, in his image. We are all image bearers of God, and we all have unique attributes of him. He didn't just give us those attributes so that we'd be naturally inclined towards certain careers, but he made us to look like him so that we would show the world who he is. He doesn't just give us attributes of himself from birth, but once we know him and are in a relationship with him, he gives us spiritual gifts. Paul uses an analogy of a body to describe these gifts, where we have distinct giftings and roles, but in unity we function to glorify God, spread the gospel, and serve the church. Did you know that your spiritual gifts are not just to be used on Sunday morning or in the ministries that you serve in? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And are you using your spiritual gifts to bring God glory in your workplace? God has also intentionally placed you in the circumstances you find yourself in right now. He has given you your husband, your children with their various unique needs, your job, and even your childcare situation. We see throughout scripture that God uses people's job titles and marriages and family situations to make himself known. When I think about this, I think about Queen Esther, whose cousin reminded her that she was in the position she was as queen when the Jewish people were being persecuted, not by surprise. It wasn't an accident. Her cousin tells her that she's in this position for such a time as this. Maybe God has placed you in the cubicle next to your coworker for such a time as this. Maybe he brings you your clients or patients every day for such a time as this. Working mamas who are married, your husbands have been designed in the same way that you have, even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, they also have giftings and unique attributes of the Lord. I loved Meg's reminder that God's desire for families is teamwork. Our capacities as working families are often tied to our attributes and giftings and circumstances. Do you know how your husband has been designed, and are you encouraging him as an image bearer of the Lord? Now that we know we've been made by God, we've been made to look like Him, and we've been given different giftings and circumstances, what does He want us to do with that? 
His desire is faithfulness. I love JP's reminder in a sermon a couple weeks ago about this passage in Judges 9 that's up on the screen. If you were there, um, you'll remember this passage. If not, you need to go listen to that sermon because it was so good. Um, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but you'll see when you read it that um, the olive branch, the fig tree, and the grapevine, they know how they're made, who made them, what they were made for, and they're faithful to do that. This is a parable um, that someone gave to the Jewish people when they were deciding to choose a king. In this passage, we we see that the grapevine doesn't look around and look at the olive branch and say, I want to make olive oil, so I'm going to do that. Um, Sorry. One of my dear friends has a saying on this topic that is, stay in your lane. This means, run the race the Lord has for you, and don't look around and wish you were running someone else's race. Faithfulness for me looks like driving 45 minutes to a job that requires me to miss bedtime and dinner and bath time with my kids three days a week. It means that I have to to surrender to the Lord my desire to work at a different job and trust in his timing for when I will make that transition. It means realizing that the patients that I bring, that I interact with every day are not by accident, but that the Lord has brought them to me to treat them with compassion when they're sick or in pain or hurting. And it means I view my interactions with my coworkers as an opportunity to share the love of Christ. Ladies, it's been a real struggle for me to surrender my desire to work at my dream job and view the job the Lord has given me today as a provision from him. But when I look at my situation through a lens of faithfulness, there is peace in the waiting and frustration. What does faithfulness look like for you today? Did you come in today angry that you have to work because your family needs your income to pay the bills? Maybe faithfulness for you today means recognizing your job as a provision from the Lord to provide for your family and thanking him for that. Did you come in today discontent because you want a better job or a higher salary or more responsibility? Maybe faithfulness for you today means resting in the Lord's plan and knowing that if the Lord wanted you to have something already, you would already have it. Maybe he has you in the job you are in so you can bring your coworkers to know him. Did you come in today with bitterness or jealousy towards your stay-at-home mom friends? Faithfulness for you today means confessing this to the Lord and maybe even to your friends and running your race confidently no matter what others around you are doing. When faithfulness is the goal, it does not matter the outcome. For me, faithfulness is working outside of my home. And for many of my Jesus-loving friends, it means sacrificing their careers and staying at home with their children. Let's celebrate faithfulness in other women ladies and not let a difference on convictions rob us of the unity of the sisterhood in Christ. Lastly, I want to talk about God's definition. We are significant because he says so. I want to share something very yucky with you all right now. I care deeply about what everyone in this room is thinking about me right now. I get paralyzed by the fear of others, and I define my significance on the opinions of others. As a working mom, I care a lot about what my kids think about me. Once I started my current job a year ago, My daughter, Madison, the eight-year-old, really struggled with the transition of me not being home three nights a week to tuck her into bed. It didn't matter how many times my husband and I would sit her down 
and tell her how we felt that I was called to this job and that when the Lord calls the parents, he calls the kids. It didn't matter how many times we went on an ice cream date and I reminded her how lucky she was to have a daddy that's in her life and that loves her and that he was very capable. It was still a huge change for her. In the midst of the change, she would often ask me why I wasn't a normal mommy who stayed at home with her kids. And she would compare me to her friend's moms and ask me why I couldn't be like them. And that crushed me. I wanted my daughter to think that I was a good mom. And I was defining myself by her opinion of me. Because I was defining myself by her opinion of me, I found myself feeling guilt and shame, and I was frustrated at my daughter, and I was jealous of my, my stay-at-home mom friends. I longed to be a good mom, but I loved my job as a nurse practitioner and felt like I couldn't do both. Then the Lord reminded me of how he sees me. He doesn't see me as mom or nurse practitioner, and he doesn't judge me on my performance in those roles. He sees me as his child. Galatians 3.26 says, Through faith you are all sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. Ladies, it's not our job titles or our salaries or the opinions of others that make us significant. We are also not defined by our motherhood. We have value and worth because Jesus said so. Paul reminds us countlessly in his letters that we've been bought with a high price. Something is only valuable based on what it is worth. Ladies, you are valuable because the God of the universe, the one who made you and designed you in your mother's womb, he paid for you with his very life. When we define ourselves by our careers or our calling or our children or the opinions of others, we cheapen our value. These things are good things, but they're not the defining things. Our job titles, our salaries, even our roles as wives and mothers could change in an instant. But I know there's one thing that will never change. Once I know God, I'm called a child of God, and nothing I can do can change that. Friends, the core of the message I'm sharing with you is Jesus. You cannot know how you were created unless you know your creator. Do you know him? Will you allow him to show you in his word how you've been created to look like him? And would you even be bold enough to confess tonight the ways that you're using the giftings and attributes he's given you to glorify him that you're using to glorify yourself? Hebrews 12 says that we run our race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Ladies, are you running your race confidently, focusing on Jesus and not looking around at what others are doing around you? Are you cheering on your sisters who are faithfully running the race the Lord has for them? Do you know tonight that you're in the job you're in right now for a reason? And are you resting in your identity as a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, and not what anyone thinks about you? Do you know, like know deep in your heart, that you are significant because of Christ alone? My prayer, fellow working moms, is that you do. Ladies, how is your heart? Can I pray for you? God, thank you for these women tonight. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for a room of women um, who are in similar circumstances and who, might, who can understand each other. God, I pray that if there are women in here that don't know you, that they would be bold 
and raise their hands or come find someone and ask, how do I know, how do I know Jesus? How can I find my significance in him? God, I pray that we would all run our races confidently. God, I pray that we would not compare ourselves to other people, that we would not look down on others who run different races than us. And God, I pray that we would be faithful image bearers of you, that we would take you into our workplaces, and that we would do a mighty work for your kingdom there. We love you. Amen. Okay, at your tables, you have some discussion questions. While you are discussing, we're going to have one person, probably your table leader, be a scribe just to write down some thoughts that you guys are coming up with. Um, just some big picture things that you're coming up with at your table on identity and comparison. And then at the end of our discussion time, we're going to just have some people stand up and share um, what you guys are processing at your tables. So you can go to table time. All right, ladies, let's wrap up our discussions real quick. We would just love to hear from you guys just about the things that you talked about. So I don't know if somebody wrote things down. I'm looking around. looks like a lot of people wrote stuff down. So um, it would just be great to kind of popcorn around the room and have somebody just stand up and read bullet points. That's good. That's convicting. Say yes more to your husband. Um, <laughs> um, well, ladies, that wraps up our night. And I don't know about you, but I feel very full. That was the word that our table used, was that we felt full after tonight. Yeah. Um, did you want to share something? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, too. I love listening to you guys going around and sharing what you were talking about. So would you do me a favor and make sure you leave those papers on the table because I want to gather them and look at them just as we prepare for the next week in the panel night. We've got questions that people can ask and stuff. It just helps us know what's on your heart. So thank you for sharing so much. So authentically and thank you for coming and come back next yes. week for sure and make sure next week we will be in stage four which is the wake room the bigger room um since not everybody will be in the building um so make sure you do that and are there any that other that also means that we'll have more room so you can drag along some other working mom friends Absolutely. to be encouraged. Yeah. So. And just so you guys know, this is kind of um, just a st like we've said, a start to the conversation. We'd like to figure out how to stay connected and do things that minister to working moms. And so these two weeks are for us to get um, to know you guys, know what's on your hearts more. I know you've already been doing a lot of things and connecting, but just thank you for that and just... Um, we're just looking forward to what the Lord might have for us. So, yeah. Great. So, all right, so let me pray and then we're done. Lord, thank you so much for an amazing time of just sharing our hearts for you and for our families and the struggles. Lord, I just ask that you would return tenfold uh, just time to these women tonight and energy just from being together and seeking you and being encouraged through your word and your women. Uh, Lord, will you just um, guide us, guide the conversations and thoughts that we have in the next week until we're together again and can talk more about this situation. And Lord, I just ask that you would... Um, just reveal yourself and your desires for each woman in this room in a way that she knows who you are and that she has purpose and meaning in her life because of how she is serving you right where she is, Lord. Uh, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.